Hello and welcome to The Lost Glory. My name is Dave Marquis and we continue this week on our teaching about creativity. Last week we saw the origin of the personality of Satan, who um, we discovered was heaven's worship leader. And um, in Job 38, 4, 4 verse 7, it says that the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted. And if we accept that the morning stars and the sons of God are the angelic hosts in heaven, then clearly singing and shouting took place at the time of creation. There was beautiful singing and very loud shouting. The purpose of this music was to give glory to God and rejoice in the wonder of his creative power as he assembled the universe. Music and worship were inextricably linked from the very beginning. Besides Lucifer, there were two of the chief archangels in heaven, Gabriel and Michael. All three of them had their own particular ministries. Gabriel was the archangel of communication, the messenger. Michael was the prince of Israel, the warrior, and Lucifer was the worship leader. These three archangels had charge of all the heavenly hosts between them, and clearly each one had different functions. When Lucifer was cast down from heaven because of his pride, he took with him a third of the angelic hosts. There is a good case for suggesting that the third he took with him were the ones he was already working with, the musical ones. The Bible says he was full of wisdom, beauty and music. He clearly knew and understood the power of music. I believe the ones he'd been conducting, the heavenly choir, were the ones that fell with him. God kicked him out and the choir left with him. It makes theological sense. So is there any music at all now in heaven? An examination of scripture reveals a very strange fact. While there is definitely singing and shouting, thunder and lightning in heaven, the only instruments to be found are the harps played by the 24 elders who sing a new song in Revelation. From the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings and voices, Revelation 4 verse 5. Four living creatures, and they do not rest day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Revelation 4 8. Twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, Revelation 5, verses 8 and 9. It's important to qualify these statements in Revelations. One strand of thought regarding the vision unfolded by the Apostolic John is that the chapters from 4 onwards speak of future events yet to take place. Another is that the whole of the book describes past, present and future events all seamlessly interwoven, the classical view of interpreting prophecy. This being so, it's very hard for us to pinpoint the exact timing of these events. What we can be certain of, however, is throughout Scripture, singing is referred to as a major form of worship leading taking place in heavenly realms rather than instrumental music. We must think further. There have been reliable reports here on earth by people who claim to hear the sounds of angels joining in with their worship. A host of angelic voices singing wonderfully, albeit in very high pitches and tones, almost exceeding the range audible by the human ear. For many years now, hungry musicians have prayed, Lord, let us hear the sounds of heaven, presumably so they could reproduce those sounds on earth. If God did allow us such a privilege, according to the Revelation account, we would hear thunder, lightning, singing and shouting, but little instrumentation. 
Just think about it. A band of 24 harpists would only fill the bottom level of the stage of the Albert Hall London. And even if those harps encompassed a wide range of sound, from baritone to piccolo, would it be glorious and extravagant enough to cover the throne of Almighty God in heaven? However, there is plenty of music going on down here on earth. Lots of it. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of creative artists are doing wonderful things with music right now. The question begs to be answered. Was music cast down to earth along with Lucifer? Has God lost some of his covering? I believe so. And I also believe that God is listening hard for pure spirit and truth music to rise up from the earth. His plan was always to have his throne covered with worship and he lost his worship band when the angels fell. And as Satan has planned and schemed how to attack God's creation, mankind, God has purposed to use mankind to become the worship covering around his throne instead of Lucifer, thereby publicly humiliating him in heaven and making a further example of him, just as he was humiliated when Christ defeated him on the cross. So when God had to start all over again with a new worship band, he started with you and I. This is why the ministry of worship is so vitally important in the church and why God is taking so much time, trouble and effort to encourage us to take hold of our rightful ownership of it. This is also why Satan has fought so hard at keeping his grip on music, musicians and creative people in general. The church is the only agency on earth with the authority from God to go and get them back. It's our job to cover the throne of God with beautiful sounds of worship and then he will inhabit the praises of his people. The Bible is clear in stating that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Romans 11 verse 29. Once he gives a gift, he does not snatch it back. This explains why we sometimes see people with tremendous ministries living a bad life and yet still walking in the anointing. Lucifer did not forfeit his ministry of music, but he did corrupt it. He turned it round and now uses it against God. He contaminated it and today it's one of his most effective weapons, used to draw people away from the truth and wisdom, only to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. It has been said that if you want to corrupt a nation, first of all corrupt its music and its art. The enemy has always known this and it has formed the spearhead of his offensive strategies. God desires a people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And as we do that, we become prophetic warriors for him. The enemy always attacks a prophet and there is a spirit abroad, particularly now in the world, that seeks to shut the prophetic down. To a large degree, the enemy has succeeded in using misunderstanding and ignorance in the church to help him do this. That is why we as creative people must discover who we are, understand our creative gifts from God, know what we're armed with and see where we're going. We must be really clear about what we believe and what the Bible says about the role we play. Music belongs to God. He invented it and he's given us the gift of creating it and using it to worship him. Here is a cellar. The poor and needy seek water, but there is none. 
their tongues fail for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in desolate heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar and the acacia tree, the myrtle and the oil tree. I'll set in the desert the cypress tree and the pine and the box tree together, that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this and the Holy One of Israel has created it. That's in Isaiah 41, verses 17 to 20. Let's pray together. Lord, help me to see, to know, consider, discover and understand the call that you have placed on my life. Amen. We need a firm sense of calling. It's desperately needed. Calling grows out of having the courage to get to know oneself and being very honest with oneself about your likes and your dislikes as well as the good things and bad things about our characters. This helps us to dig out our talents and giftings and form them into a sense of calling. Your calling is essentially the thing you were made for, your purpose, the thing you were designed to do. Unique as we all are, everyone has a plan and a purpose, a coat that fits. And once discovered, this becomes a pearl of great price, something that is worth fighting for. And when your destiny is discovered, there's a eureka moment when it all makes sense. You have a sense of purpose, calling and destiny and know yourself much better than before. Your giftings and talents increase in power when they are treasured and honed and eventually will stand you before people of influence. Time spent in the woodshed is never wasted. And discipline is what gets us skillful in our calling. There is no substitute for hard work and one must study to become skilled. The problem is that the eureka moment is only a moment. It's not constant and somewhere down the line, valleys and mountains are encountered. Things are not always plain sailing. And there will be times when one gets tired, perhaps maybe things have not gone too well, and the fire wanes and you get discouraged. When things get tough, something more earthy and solid, something more gritty is called for. The right way to get through a storm is to keep one's heading and ride the storm out. Discipline is what will keep you going at this time. When I have difficulty, I encourage myself by saying, David, get a grip. I have to have words with myself to keep going and not give up. Eventually the storm passes and I can see again. You have to keep your head down in a storm. This is not the time to re-examine your vision. This is the time to take care of the business and see it through to the next place of peace, which comes if you stay with it. Too many people give up at this time, thinking they have missed it. But how can you see clearly in a storm? Good preparation helps one's confidence when in order to achieve one's vision, it becomes necessary to take risks. Thank you for joining me this week on The Lost Glory. Join me next week as we, as we continue our study on creativity. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and be kind to one another.